Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. So today I am joined by my son, Alan. Hello. So how are you doing today, Alan? Good. That's good to hear. So we are going to be discussing Final Fantasy Record Keeper. We are recording this on Saturday, March 30th, and right now we are in the middle, eh, give or take. Uh, we're Right now on Final Fantasy Record Keeper, they are doing the fourth anniversary. So we're going to talk a little bit about the fourth anniversary, some of the changes that they've made to Final Fantasy Record Keeper with the new update, and then also we're going to be talking about our top ten favorite Final Fantasy Record Keeper characters. Specifically, we're going to be focusing on ones... Well, what we're doing with this is uh, we're actually going to be focusing on characters that are still worth a level dive, even if you don't have soul breaks for them. Or the greatest of stuff. Uh, yes, because uh, uh, for the uninitiated, those who... Maybe you've never played Final Fantasy Record Keeper, don't really know much about it. Uh, here's what those terms mean. One of the features they introduced to the game a while ago was called Record Spheres, where uh, you got moats, three-star, four-star, and five-star moats, and you use those as a way to further improve your character's statistics. And in some cases, spending a certain number of moats, which is called Mastering a Sphere, uh, you would get additional abilities, like maybe a character that could only use four-star white magic could now use five-star white magic. That could be really useful on characters like Garnet and Mog. Uh, yes, very helpful for any character that has uh, white magic abilities. And then also, uh, sometimes you can allow you to use different types of equipment. For example, I know with Thunder God Sid or... Orlando from Final Fantasy Tactics on uh, that one when you leveled when you get a certain sphere mastered he can use axes another one is where if you level dive Vaughn to a certain point he gets guns yep and I know Fran from Final Fantasy 12 gets guns as well uh, also what level diving means though is they introduced a, a new level of the spheres that you need five star motes for and you would get new record materia, so that's what we're legend need. legend materia. You're right, uh, legend materia, which, as I said before, this is what what we're focusing on when we get to that part. So characters that, again, even if you don't have a lot of soul breaks or special abilities for them, you know, special equipment, they're still worth looking at. And again, these are also characters that even if you do have some good soul breaks and equipment for them, still very, very good characters that might just end up filling out the ranks of your A-team. So let's start by talking a little bit about the fourth anniversary. So one of the biggest changes that they introduced with the fourth anniversary is they introduced artifacts. Because before, we had three types of relics. We had weapons, armor, and accessories. So now they're introducing artifacts. Well, it's, right now, it only seems like they're just weapons with increased stats. Right now, the first batch is for, like, for example, like, um, Torment Dungeons, because it gives you a boost to all your stats. Stats if it has Realm Synergy. 
Yeah, so those, I mean, I can see how they'd be very helpful for newer players who might not have very good synergy for all realms. Because when they introduced the feature, they gave you a total of four, or no, three. Because automatically they gave you the Maneater from Final Fantasy V. And at first I thought that this was like, we could create soul breaks and they just gave out Bartz's Arcane for free. Ooh, Mandina's being generous, but no. Yeah, and they did actually give you one free... Actually, this uh, anniversary, they gave you two free uh, soul breaks, which... Well, you have to... They're not technically free because you do have to do stuff to get them. Yeah, like... The first run requires you to beat a 50, 50 difficulty dungeon in order to get a arcane that deals three ranged non-elemental and holy attacks for Tyro, and a boosting ultra for Vivi if you're able to jump rope 40 times in a row, which is actually really frustrating. Yeah, because they had a jump rope minigame, which I understand that's actually in the original version of Final Nine. Fantasy IX. Yeah. It's a cute little animation. They've got uh, Steiner Eco. and Eco. Yep, Steiner and Eco trying to help Vivi jump rope. And uh, the trick I found, if anyone listening to this when the game is still going, if you're having problems, I watch for when the rope is near the bottom and it starts to get flat. Usually that's when you jump. Some people would recommend looking at Steiner's sprite. It's usually not Eco's for some reason. The record keeper forum, there's lots of people who have spoken about or given their different opinions as the best way to do it, which I know I just did it enough to get uh, the new Ultra for Vivi. Yeah, which, which is a boost to that does, which gives a 30% boost to attack and magic, Haystaga, and stock eight, 22,000 stock HP to the party. Yeah, and to be honest, it's not a game changer. I mean, I think if you've got... Because, uh, of course, Vivi, you're going to pretty much use him as, you know, black magic, offensive magic. So, like I said, it's not a game changer because I have his other ultra beyond the Twilight. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm going to use that more often. But I can see, for especially for newer players or people who haven't gotten any other soul breaks for Vivi yet, it's still very helpful. I mean, having a boost, especially one that gives you 2,000 stock... At, HP, almost at XP, uh, that gives you at 2,000 stock XP can actually be very helpful. You said XP. Yeah, I know. I was like, XP, okay, no, it doesn't work that way. And haste, because, yeah, a lot of your, most of your boosting soul breaks do give you haste. Yeah. So, always useful. But, yeah, getting back to the artifacts, so they introduced, uh, I said, the, the artifact system where, I guess, during the events, you can get one artifact if you do like one of the high level dungeons which i'm guessing is probably in the like the purple to the second red tinted dungeon as it's like most of them consist of like 12 events the first eight give you mithril and then the four are would be the revenge event dungeons yeah so the i i forgot what what name they call it but basically you get this item that you can trade for a a piece of of equipment uh right now they just have weapons it wouldn't surprise me if they introduced armor later. And again, most of the realms do have... Well, again, there's there's the different types of weapon categories. Sword, dagger, rods, stabs, Yeah, but weapons. they also made it where you could create a blitz ball. I'm guessing that they, they the reason why they thought blitz balls could work 
is because blitz balls at least can be used more by more characters than gambling gear, hairpins, and gun arms. Yeah, it's true. So, but I think it's a neat little system. Uh, some people on the forum were saying that they're gonna they recommend saving your uh, saving these things you use to get the artifacts because I guess well right now. The artifacts, they only give you an elemental and a damage boost. If they're if they in have, synergy. Yep, if they have synergy. But I guess that they're going to be introducing elemental ones later on. Yeah, that probably give like a small or moderate boost to um, a certain element. And when I was looking at that, it looks like that there's some weird cases of like things giving a boost. Like, for example, one thing I saw is the Blessed Hammer from 3 which is one of Lunas, apparently gives an ice boost, but you would more think it would give, like... It doesn't have a defined element, or I think in some earlier games, hammers were always treated as having lightning element. I One thing I do like about this new system, you now have a reason not to sell anything less than a 5-star. And, you know, it's good because uh, several months ago... Someone on the Record Keeper forum, you know, did mention, okay, public service announcement, start saving your at least your four stars and any uniques or supers or shareds that you get. Because what you do is, now artifacts can only be upgraded with rainbow crystals. Yeah, which requires you to either sacrifice East, uh, equipment or Rosetta Stones, but you can only get like six Rosetta Stones per event, I believe. It's nice because now, even if you draw like a one or two star... On your you, daily? Yeah, you can at least put it towards that. So, yeah, I, I mean, when I heard that, I did actually take that to heart, and I started stockpiling uh, Me too, four but, stars. And, yeah. and I whenever I got like a unique or a shared on a daily draw, I kept it because I knew that was coming up. So, I think overall, it's a nice addition because, as I think, again, I think it's going to be most beneficial... If, like, you're a newer player, or if there's a realm that maybe you don't have a lot of good weapons for, so this gives you a chance to go in and get one of those. Yeah. Now, another addition they they added, which I really like, is Magia points. Yes. So, I again, this now makes it worthwhile to Use run your... Use your level 99 characters in normal dungeons rather than just the high-level endgame content. Yeah, because uh, the way the Magia points work is... When you have a character who's level 99, every time you... Complete, complete a battle. Yep, complete a dungeon. It's just a battle. A battle, yeah, that's right. You get, instead of XP, you get Magia points, where it starts out, you get one for every battle, and then it changes. Like, I think at most you need, like, 10 or... I think it's like 10 or 15 to get one Magia point. But you can use that to improve... Boost your stat. Yep, so you can improve your attack, your defense... Uh, your resistance, your magic, your healing and abilities. Also, they're introducing... Because the game right now, as it moves towards the end game content... Is, is focusing more on elemental. Yeah, you, more elemental focused. So you can also say, like, put a bunch of Magia points into, let's say, fire. To increase your fire damage or but your fire resistance. But the problem is, is that, is that, they, that the people eventually found out that it's not really worth boosting your elemental because you should just because it's like i think someone did a test of like during medim and they got more success by increasing a character's stat with more of their stats than the elemental because they don't because one boost in like fire damage is only like a 0.1 percent but this did allow people to figure out that the ability that the are for example i believe there was an accessory called the gigas armlet from two 
or three, where it made you weak to water, I believe. Yes, that's true. If you um use a if you put one into water defense, it completely cancels it out, which honestly that sort of makes it seem like the vulnerable isn't that bad if it can just be easily that countered. Yeah, and another thing they were saying on the forum is that if you do put because right now the max magia uh, points you can put into something is 100. Yeah. And I guess like if you go all the way to 100, it's only like a 10%. Yeah. So right now at least, you know, you're you're uh, you're better off just putting it into your, you know, your base stats rather than focusing on the elements. Yeah, and I don't even want to touch HP because that it feels like it, like what if it doesn't give a really good boost? Yeah. So yeah, it's again, it's just another one of those nice little things because now you can keep working on your 99th level characters. And again, I really want to know what's next because I wonder, are they going to introduce more ways to, because, okay, you know, at first you just got to 99 level and that was it. And then they introduced the record spheres. Then they introduced crystal water. Now they introduced this. So it's like, okay, what's next? Uh, what's the next big thing? And I know some people on the forum were complaining about that. It's like, why can't we just enjoy what we have instead of having to, you know, always look for the next big thing? Which, speaking of the next big thing, now with the kingdom, the Second Kingdom's Heart events, the Second Kingdom Hearts event, they did introduce the Awakening Soul Breaks. Yes. But for the fourth anniversary, they introduced Realm Chains. Because before they had chain soul breaks, and again, for those who don't play the game, or maybe if you haven't seen one yet, what it does is each focuses on an element. So let's say you've got a fire chain. Uh, there's Gen 1 chains and Gen 2 chains. So like for a Gen 1 chain, your character does a certain number of attacks. Or then, boosts. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think some of the Gen 1 chains give a boost, but then it it creates a chain 99 hits long and it increases any fire. You know, if any a character uses a fire attack, it increases fire damage for everyone. Now, then they introduced gen two chains, which instead of doing attacks, they give can... just a solid boost. I think the only exception of one that boosts two stats right now is Edward's holy chain, which I actually have that be increasing magic in mind. And then, like I said, it uh it, usually it does give like a large boost to either magic or attack. Now, for realm boosts or realm chains, they're sort of like the Gen Three chains. Yeah, and right now there's just two. Steiner has one for nine, which I did draw, and then Irving gets one for eight. For eight, and it works a little differently because it gives everyone haste. It increases everyone's attack and magic a moderate amount, but then. The only way to add to the chain is if you is for characters from that realm to do damage. So So I, it's basically like those chains we had in the torments before. Yeah, I can see them being most useful for torment and realm event dungeons. Now, I don't know about you, but okay, another one of those in terms that we're gonna explain in just a moment. Uh chasing a relic. I would not recommend chasing the realm the realm chains because I did try using it. And again, it is nice if you're going to be doing an event or a torment dungeon. With full synergy. Yeah. Or if you've got, in the case of elemental bosses like the Magicites, I can see it being extremely useful 
for certain realms, like, for example... Five. You've, like, it's mainly a mix of, like, earth, fire and earth, ice is five, I mean, eight is ice, um, trying to think of others. That yeah, have... seven has a lot of wind users, so I could see it being helpful there. Ten is pretty much the best realm for water. So the reason, okay, so chasing a relic means that, let's say there's a relic that you really, really want, and you want it so badly that you're going to waste all your mithril pulling on that one banner until you get the item. And if you run on a mithril, then you start might you might start using real money to get gem draws. So it's one thing that I know I've advised you of avoiding, because I've done it in the past, never chase relics because you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, in my opinion. But there was a point where I was trying to chase Noctis's Glint and Arcane during that, and the draw I did do, I got both of them on the same draw, and I got Iris's and Cloud's Bursts. So yep. it was overall a good chase, because I got some stuff for characters I sort of needed for. So, yeah, or I, I mean, wait, it could have been in a, rel a healing burst for Aerith, I can't remember if yeah. it was, yeah. But in any ways, yeah, for any listeners out there, if you uh, do play the game or maybe if you start playing the game after listening to us, I would not recommend chasing realm chains. Yeah, they can be nice, but for the most part, they're still fairly limited. Because um, it's opinion. like if you don't have a full party at most, it's just a generic boostaga, like some people like to call it, which is pretty much... Because uh, there's quite a bit of soul breaks that boost, like, attack, magic, a moderate amount, grant haste to the party. So, now that we've talked a little bit about the fourth anniversary, the uh, yesterday we were talking, and we've actually talked about this topic for a while, our picks for the top ten most useful characters for Final Fantasy Record Keeper. So here's our list in no particular order. So again, we're not really going like, okay, this is the 10th best character and this is the best. We're just focusing on characters that are still worth a level dive and still very competitive, even if you don't have soul breaks for them. Or much. Yes. I'm I'm going to, or maybe soul breaks that aren't up to the current meta, like, yeah, like uniques you, and supers. Yeah, like if you just have like, for example, let's just say the first one on our list, Aerith, you know, maybe you've only got nothing better than a super for her, she can still be competitive. So, now, why did you think that Aerith should be on this list? Well, I feel like her full level dive is a pretty much, she has a moderate chance of AoE healing the party whenever she uses a white magic ability. Yes. Which, combined now, if you're able to get her jacket, that gives her a double cast, she can be a healing monster, especially if she, if you're able to get find some way to spam AoE heals, which is a good use with White Materia, as even if you only have her jacket in White Materia, she can still be very useful for spamming AoEs. Yeah, and again, even without a Soul Break, uh, you get her fully level-dived. Yeah, just the fact that, again, and it's a moderate chance that whenever you use a White Magic ability, it does that heal, which can be extremely helpful if you're, like, renewing a Shelga or Protecta, uh, in the middle of a battle. Um, also, it can be extremely helpful if, let's say you're just using Ultra Cure on one character because you need to remove a, d a debuff. Yeah. So, also, she does get some other useful abilities. I know she can use, I think it's up to 3-star black, and then she does actually get up to 5-star, 6-star summoning. Six star summoning. 
So again, she's helpful because she has both those offensive and defensive options, but at least early in the game, those I think those abilities are more useful. But as you start getting later in the game, you're primarily going to use her as a healer. But still, the fact that there's a chance that every time you use a white magic ability, it heals everyone a little bit, makes her a very useful character. Yes. Next, probably one of my favorite characters in the game, Bartz from Final Fantasy V. Bartz! Yes, uh, as Gilgamesh would say, Bartz! Um, if you've ever, yeah, like if you've ever seen a video, uh, I haven't played World of Final Fantasy, but I saw a video showing the characters you can summon, and probably the best one is Bartz's. It's called Battle at the Big Bridge, where Bartz charges in and he's going to try to attack the enemy, and then Gilgamesh comes and he's trying to attack him too, and you know, Bart's like jumps on his head and it's like, don't get in the way. And then, yeah, it's, it's funny, but yeah. And, uh, the reason I think Bart's is a extremely useful character, because we were talking about spellbladers, probably the, the two best spellbladers are Bart's and Squall. Yeah. Because, uh, they get the, when you fully level dive them, they get a spellblade double cast. Yes. But, I, I, there might be other spellbladers that get that option. I'm not sure. But the reason I put Bart's uh, over Squall is because Bart's overall is more of a versatile character. He gets a better range of skills, and more importantly, he has a better range of weapons. Because the problem with Squall is he can only use swords and daggers. Are their armors pretty similar? Yeah, their armors are pretty similar. But yeah, it's the weapons because Bart's, in addition to swords and daggers, can use katanas, axes, spears, spears, bows, and throne. So he can actually be helpful in battles where you have to use fight ranged a, weapons. Yep, where because there's some battles where the enemy is always out of range of melee or they move in between. So because Bart's has that versatility, that's why I think he is probably better than Squall as far as Spellbladers go. Yeah. And, I mean, Salus isn't too bad, but you really kind of need a Soul Break to effectively use her for a a max level dive because it's like she gets the ability where her Soul Break meter fills up faster if you're attacking an enemy's weak spot. But, again, if you don't have any decent Soul Breaks for her, why bother? Yeah, and also her main elements right now are Ice, Holy, and Wind. Fire. That was only on one burst command, Dad. Because you okay. don't say Terra is a fire water user just because she only had <laughs> one burst command and a unique that did water. As in Japan, she's right now a fire wind user. Okay, so I'll have to go back and check that. But yeah, still, Bart's probably the best spellblader in the game because, again, he gets the materia where he can increase his spellblade damage, but he gets that double cast. Next, another extremely useful character, Thunder God Sid. Or Orlando. Yep, from Final Fantasy Tactics. So why did you think that he should be on this list? Well, first, he gets a really useful double-cast materia relic that allows him to double-cast either night or darkness. And another thing is, is that he's actually one of the most powerful characters in Raw Attack, only being beaten out by Sephiroth by one point. But I feel like that one point sort of screwed Sephiroth over in some ways. Yeah, because Thunder God Sid, the thing that's nice is, okay, he uses night abilities, darkness abilities, and 
celerity, combat, and spellblade all at level five. So that is nice because he's one of the few characters that does actually get access to all elements. So, you know, while he can certainly belt out a lot of damage with any element with spell blades and celerity gives him the wind and the, the lightning coverage. Yep. But since he uses night and darkness abilities, that gives him dark and holy. And yeah, his, uh, his first legend materia or not legend materia, uh, record materia gives him just a general boost to damage, physical damage. And then again, when you fully level dive him, it gives a moderate chance to double cast knight abilities or holy abilities, which and makes... And when you fully level dive him, you get something that pretty much gives him a permanent haste until his first death. Okay, wait. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking of his legend materia that you don't automatically get. Okay, you're right at that. And Sam, so you see him double casting because I have his, uh, because I have his ultra, and I know you do too, which double casts, well, when you go to your... When you use his Ultra Soul Break, I think it's called Sword Saint EX mode. Uh, yeah. Which uh, automatically causes dark. Okay, yeah, you're right. I was I was thinking of something different. But yeah, still, he... Okay, so he doesn't get that double cast by default or by a, a full level dive, but he does start out with the ability to... He do, It does give him that haste and that removing of delay. Yeah. Next, Cloud. Of, I, as he, the edgy fanboy of Dina... Uh, yes, the fan favorite. Cause, and that's why I was surprised when they introduced Awakenings and Braveries that they didn't give them to, to Cloud right away. Well, it's like, I feel like Kingdom Hearts is now sort of becoming that realm that, start is, that starts getting all the unique soul breaks now. Because they were the first, Sora and Riku were the first ones to get Glints, Arcanes, and Awakenings, plus Sora and Roxas. I mean, not Sora's, Axel and Roxas. Yeah. So, the Cloud, the reason I think he's useful, you know, he does get Spellblade abilities, and when you level dive him, he can go up to five, but not quite six. But he's the best, at least in my opinion, for non-elemental physical damage. Because when you fully level dive him, You he get a gets, combat trigger twice. Yep, you have a moderate chance for combat abilities to trigger twice which is really helpful when using, like, Omega Drive and if you get it full charge. Yeah, so while there is a book, and one of the books do require you to make full charge, but honestly, that mission is, like, if you make that early, you pretty much got that mission. I think that's in, like, book 8 or 9, which by that point, you've probably made it. Yeah, full charge is actually a good ability before you get Omega Charge, so... Or Omega yeah, Drive. As, but it does have the little bit of a flaw where it's like it does has a in, uh, has a delay. But Full Charge is just a solid four physical hits that I think does a little more damage if you have a bit have better attack. Yep. So the next one But is... isn't that every single ability? Mm -hmm. So the next one is Alara. And again, going back to healers, the reason I think she's probably one of the best if you don't have a lot of soul breaks for her is because she actually has a very useful default soul break. Yeah, that does a moderate heal, which I feel like that's a really big game changer because most of the time, healers will either just get one of a holy attack, sometimes a random, sometimes maybe like 
just something that removes a status effect. Like, generally their defaults don't heal the entire party, but Alara heals the entire party, and this is a moderate amount of HP. Yeah, so that's actually pretty good for a default, because there was a time when, okay, you would get a unique soul break that would do a mo- heal a moderate amount, but yeah, usually, you know, you didn't, so... But then, of course, then it moved to supers where everything was large or very large. But she also is as good as a healer because when you fully level dive her... She gets a natural double cast white. Yep, she gets that white double cast, which can be extremely useful, especially when paired with a a healing soul break or a a healing burst soul break. uh, Because, yeah, just being able to double cast an AoE heal is extremely useful in some of those larger, you know, some of those larger boss fights. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is Paladin Cecil, or as some people usually call him on the forum, P. Cecil. Or Pestle. Pestle, yes. And he's useful because, again, if we're looking at just default, no, you know, no soul breaks, his default soul break is uh, Rampart, which raises the party at resistance and defense by a small amount. So we always used to call it the poor man's Sentinel's Grimoire. Yeah. Because Sentinel's Grimoire uh, raises everything by a very large amount. However, for a while, it was one of those relics that you didn't get a chance to get very often. Yeah, but nowadays they're handing out, out as they're pretty much handed out to every single new player that beats Book 2. Which is nice because once you start getting into some of the higher level challenges, you need wall. Unless you're doing like one of those fights. And I've noticed they've started doing more of this lately. They have the battles where the the boss's attacks ignore damage. And it's like, okay, in a way that's kind of a cheap move. So you have to develop a new strategy called the reverse wall. Which pretty much focuses on buffing your party with attack and magic and lowering the enemy's stats. What I always do when I do reverse wall is I put two supporters in my party. One to debuff attack, one to debuff magic. And if possible, I try to put someone that can reflect damage back at the attacker in there. So very helpful when you have those cheap bosses that ignore uh, those defenses. Now, when you look at his level dive, though, his fir- his final one is moderate chance to cover physical damage taken by allies and reduce the damage by a large amount. Oh, I when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about his one that was on his, like, entire, like, armor except the sleeves. Yeah, it's on, I know he gets a similar one on one of his armors, so I'm not sure if, like, one would cancel out the other, but... Also, another thing is that his first materia, and I think Snow has that too, is that it reduces damage from their main element, which can sometimes be helpful, but usually if that that's the case, usually the usually if like you can't really use that in using so says pestle you can't really use that with pestle in all the holy magicite as you would have to restrict him to only combat yeah, because since Cecil is primarily a holy damager. You're not gonna usually you're not gonna use them against opponents that only use holy attacks. I can see how it can sort of be helpful if you're using attacking something that might use holy attacks but doesn't resist, absorb, or negate holy damage. But uh, moving on, the next two characters are mages. 
and we're going to be discussing Vivi and Palum. So the reason we think that they're the best as far as the mages go is because most mages are more or less pigeonholed into a single into a single element when you at least when you look at how their level dive goes. Like for example, Terra from 6 is primarily fire. But will eventually become wind. Well, right now her level dive is focuses on fire damage because she increases fire damage and then gets the materia that can allow fire abilities to trigger twice. And then like Maria is another example where she's primarily an earth magic user. But when you do her full level dive, her she it's like when you use I think it's a, a magic earth ability, it there's a chance it can reduce the delay of her next action. No, I think it was just like the more magic she uses, the... the yeah, it's higher. one of those. Because usually when you do a full level dive, generally it's one of three ab- abilities. It's It can either be a double cast, or a chance to double cast, a chance to reduce the delay, or a chance to increase your attack or magic based on the number of attacks you've dealt out. Also, there's another one being revival. Yeah, so that's usually you see the revival ones in nine, which is actually a good transition to, to Vivi, because when he, because again, if you've played Final Fantasy nine, they have the trance mode in there. I've actually played nine now. Yep, and with Vivi, when he enters trance, it gives him a high chance to double cast black magic abilities, which is really helpful, especially when it's paired with. His Ultra Soul Break that cause, automatically causes black magic abilities to double cast. And if you've seen my video I have on my YouTube channel about uh, how to defeat King Behemoth, I use him in that party even though he's primarily a fire user. Because when he entered that the trance mode, sometimes his black magic abilities would trigger three times. So that's useful because, again, when you get to that low hit point level, it does restore hit points. I think it also pretty much fully heals him. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's either full heal or it restores a large amount. A very large amount proportional to the user. Now, I would almost put Palum a little, a notch higher, though, because when you get him fully level dived... It's just a generic black magic double cast. Yes, but it's nice because you don't have to pigeonhole him into a single element. So that makes him more useful against any sort of opponent that you need to attack with black magic. Though with his soul breaks, Palum is primarily a lightning user at this point. Or tri-element. Yeah. So again, both of them are are really good as far as mages go. Next is Onion Knight from 3. And the reason I think he's on there or at least why he's a, a still a competitive character, even without a, a lot of soul breaks to him, is when you fully level dive him, he can use a very wide range of abilities. He can use a wide range of equipment, but when you finally get him to, when you fully level dive him, you actually get two different materials that double cast. One being black magic and one being celerity, though with where Onion Knight is going, he is mostly a magic user. Yeah, he they're pretty much biasing him towards magic right now, which, you know, is fine. Uh, they've already got plenty of physical attackers in, in 3, but 
I mean, it's nice because it does give you that choice where he can double cast either a type of physical ability or black magic. So again, that makes that makes him useful, and the fact that he can be a good support character because again, he he does get support abilities once you fully level dive him, and then he also gets uh, white magic as well. So again, very helpful if you need a character in the party that can provide a Shelga or Protecta for the party. Finally is, let's see, how is her name pronounced? Uh, Carilla from Final Fantasy XI. Now, do, have you used this character very often? No. She's kind of weird because when you look at her abilities, uh, they list her as physical attack, though she can't use five-star combat. She gets four-star combat, five-star knight, four-star white magic, and four-star support. So I would more describe her as a supporting knight. Yeah, as a support knight. Which, again, is not actually, which isn't bad because it gives you that option for that extra white magic if it'll fit into your strategy. You can also break the enemy. Right, you can also use her to debuff the enemy. But when you look at how her full level dive goes... She does get her first level dive, Legend Sphere, gives her just a general boost to physical damage. But what's really helpful is when you fully level dive her, her last materia, moderate chance to gain a magic barrier, enabling the user to avoid one magic attack after taking damage from an enemy. And again, it's effective against most attacks because, again, Dina is starting to get cheap where they're starting to introduce higher level bosses that... Just ignore it. Yeah, they use attacks that ignore your magic blink or your physical blink. And they're also making it where they're starting to make bosses where they can just bypass your immunities to status ailments. Yeah, and again, it's because they're they're starting to introduce more of that content. And Dan, to keep also the... another problem is, is that it feels like they're not introducing enough AoE Asunas. That is true. But yeah, I know the reason they're doing this is because they're trying to keep the more experienced players engaged uh, because, well, that's what they need to do. I mean, in a, a free-to-play game like this, you got to keep people engaged so they keep playing and hopefully spending money on the game. So, like I said, I think Carilla very useful in that regard, especially if you get some of her soul breaks because she actually does have some really good ones. So that's our brief look at the Record Keeper 4th Anniversary, as well as our list of who we think the best, most worthwhile characters in Record Keeper are. So with that said, I'd like to thank you for tuning in, and have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and... Happy gaming. Yes, happy gaming, everyone. Talk to you later. Check out the guys over at Eclectic Media Project. They bring you podcasts such as Musically Challenged. Whose podcast is it anyway? Want to hear something interesting? And their newest podcast, page 3.14 News. Check them out on Podbean and iTunes at Eclectic Media Project. On their website at www.eclecticmediaproject.com. Check them out as they are the home with a little something for almost everyone.
You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.